great to be back with you. Um, and I first of all just want to say thank you to everybody who has uh, kind of made things happen while I've been away. Obviously, we've had the uh, two Alpha course, we've had the oh, Alpha Away Day, we've had the Sunday services. There's lots and lots that has to, has to happen to make these things work. And I know a lot of you have, have stepped in and, and you've also supported through at home as well. So I just want to say thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm really grateful to you all. I also want to say that I've missed you. I missed you. I really did. Well, most of you. Erica's not even looking at me right now. You especially, Erica, yeah. <laughs> so we're in our series, uh, uh, Dream Builders, and um, it's been a great series. This is uh, week five of this series today, and um, I've really, really enjoyed it. And I was so looking forward to writing the message for today. I had it all planned, you see, because I was speaking last week in Uganda, so I didn't write it before I went because I had that. I'm speaking tonight somewhere else, and I thought, okay, I've got that all sorted, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get on the plane. Uh, it was in, uh, in two halves, the journey on the plane from Uganda. It was Uganda to Qatar, and then Qatar back to Heathrow. And I thought, I'll get on the plane in Uganda, and I've got like six hours before it's night time, so I'll prepare a great, a great word on the plane. I thought, I'll, I'll have it all sorted. And I sat down in my seat, I was on the aisle seat, and then two seats next to me were completely empty. And I'm thinking, yes! You know what it's like when you've got yes seat next to you, so I've got, I'm going to be able to spread out. But then, but then you know what happened. Uh, a, a, a lady and her young daughter Got it. walked up and I was like, oh no, I know where they're going. I know what's going to happen right now. And sure enough, they came in and the lady sat by the window and she put her daughter there. Uh, kind of five-year-old, similar age to my Eliza, but this girl was something from the pit of hell. Like, <laughs> I've got to tell you, I just, it was, the first thing I hear is, hey mister, I want to watch. I was like, okay. And she, she couldn't work the TV, so I, okay, I can help her with that. And she was, she was just shouting at me, and I, okay, I've got you some cartoons on. No, I want to watch these, I want to watch something else. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. And then she starts tapping me on the arm, just for fun, it seems. Like, and I'm trying to work a little bit. And then she stands up on a chair and starts tapping my head like a drum. And, and, the, and the mom didn't seem to be too fussed about this. And I was like, okay, really, you need to stop now. Okay, I have, I have experience with, with, with naughty children, so I, can, I know how to deal with that. You, have to, you really have to stop now. Okay, I'm going to get my, my, my laptop out. I'm going to write the preach. So we're tapping, hitting on the head. How we are. And then she starts hitting my keyboard. Okay, this is not going to happen. I'm here on this flight for six hours with this. It was a nightmare. So I didn't get to write the message for you today. Uh, all sudden, but I've got a few thoughts, and I managed to jot down some thoughts um, the last couple of days, which I'm going to share with you. And I think they're pretty good thoughts. So bear with me. It's maybe not as polished as it usually is. You can, don't blame me. Blame <laughs> Beelzebub, who was next to me. I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. So the big idea behind our Dream Builders series is that the church is a place of potential. Yeah? The church is a place of great potential. And that's what we've tried to unpack and explore over the last few weeks. Um, it's not because we are building something great. In Psalm 127, it says, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. 
Yeah? So we know that it's not us who build. And Jesus kind of references when he said to Peter and to the disciples, he said, uh, when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus turns to him and said, uh, that's great, Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. And the gates of hell won't be able to stand against it. So we know that it's Jesus who builds the church. And this is great for us because it means that if, you're, um, if, the, if he's building it, then the potential for the building is unlimited. Right? We don't have to restrict our dreams because the one who's building them is omnipotent. Yeah, he's, he's got all power. He's omniscient. He knows everything. So, so if he's the builder, if he's the architect then our dreams, we can unleash our dreams into greater things, I think. And we talked a little bit about this in the first half of the series, about how our plans and our dreams and our visions for the future need to be in line, in proportion to the, to the builder. And, you know, we talked about Norman Foster, the, the architect, the uh, builder. Um, he's a famous architect. And if you uh, employed him to build something for you, you wouldn't expect him to build a mud hut. Now, I've had some experience of mud huts this last week, okay? I've been sleeping in mud huts. But you wouldn't expect Norman Foster to build a mud hut. You would expect him to build something grand, a skyscraper, a huge building, something extraordinary, something magnificent, something maybe a bit like this. This is one of his buildings, in fact. This is the, uh, uh, in Qatar. They're hosting the World Cup starting next month, by the way, November 24th. We're looking forward to that, yeah? Um, this is the, one of the stadiums that he has designed. It's a great stadium. And in fact, when we were flying over Qatar on the way in, we could see all these amazing buildings, these football stadiums that have been built just for the World Cup. And they're pretty spectacular, right? And likewise, we are thinking about the potential of the church. And if he is the one who builds it, we can expect great things. We can expect Amazing. We've just been singing it, haven't we? Oh God, you do great things. If he does great things, then let's dream bigger dreams. So we've been encouraged to think about, okay, as we're dreaming, we don't want to um, let the fear of failure stop us from dreaming. We've talked about how we don't want to um, uh, let a lack of resources or risking our resources, we don't want to, we don't want to not risk our resources for the kingdom. We want to see what he's given us. Like the, the parable of the, um, the faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. We want to risk the, what he's given us, the gifts that he's given us. We want to use, my mom brought this up in our prayer time this morning. Everybody has been given gifts and needs to bring them. And sometimes we can hold back with, oh, do they really want to see this? Do they really want to hear what I've got to say? Yes, we do. We want to dream together about the church. We need to be obedient to God's prompting when he's calling us out of some. We need to be like Jonathan and his armor bearer who says, let's do this. Maybe God, maybe God will step in and do something great. Let's go out on a maybe because our God is great. So what then is stopping our dreams? What stops us dreaming big dreams? What stops us from trying to pursue bigger and better dreams? things. 
Well, being in uh, Uganda for a couple of weeks, I just want to give you a bit of context because a lot of you probably don't know uh, our connection to Uganda. Over the last 10 years, uh, uh, actually for for Matt Mella, who's the church uh, treasurer and and world missions guy, he's been going for 20 years now. But for the last 10 years, Sunny Hill has been supporting this a village in Uganda, a village called Kikabero. And now this village, um, there's a guy there who grew up in this village, a guy called Martin Nangoli. Now he... um, he has managed to transform this village by bringing in a coffee economy. So he's getting the villagers to grow coffee, and, and then he kind of finds markets for the coffee. And what he's also done in this time is build a school. He had a vision for a school where children who wouldn't normally go to school uh, from this village would be able to come and would be able to afford to go. And so what he does is he accepts payment in coffee from the villagers so that they can send their children to school and give them an education. Oh, it's, it's an amazing, amazing work. And over the last few years, we have um, done many appeals where we've sent uh, boots for the children, we've sent blankets for the children, we've sent uh, uh, benches for the children, we've sent books and bags for the children. It always begins with B, I don't know why. We sent bricks for a toilet block. Um, so we've, we've supported them in many ways, and we've supported Martin as well. Every month we send him a little gift. You know, the, this is you, your guy's generosity goes towards that. And it's really, really great work. So I've been out there with Matt these last couple of weeks and kind of providing a bit of accountability. So, okay, we haven't managed to go because of COVID for three years. It's time we went and just saw how things were going. And I've got to tell you guys, it's tough out there. It's been really, really tough. As tough as we've had it here over the last two years because of COVID. Imagine what it's like when you're there and you're living hand to mouth. There's no government paying you to go on furlough. What it's meant is these villagers have not had a market for their coffee for two years. The school has had to close for a year because of the, the whole country was locked down. Very, very difficult. And so almost what they're having to do right now is start again from scratch. So all the work from the previous years, it's kind of all, it's all gone. The school has been vandalized heavily. So it's been, it's, been a, it's been a difficult couple of weeks, actually, talking to them and, and seeing what the needs are there. And, you know, I, I suspect we'll start to think about how we can support them better, how we, maybe we can go out there a little bit more often um, again. But actually, it came home to me. It was interesting walking through a whole different culture and seeing the same signs that we have here. Wash your hands. Wear a face mask, keep your distance. And it kind of brought home to me this idea that this was actually a global pandemic. Now, I knew it, but to see it in, in, other, in another place that's totally different, it really brought it home, actually, that this, this, is, this was a bit of a tragedy for so many people who we have no idea um, about. But then there's also the psychological impact of COVID as well that I know you all know about because you've probably felt it at times and I think what's happened is, is over the two years, us and also out there, they've stopped dreaming. They've stopped having a vision for the future. They've stopped planning because, hey, well, what's the point in planning if we might go into a lockdown again any, any moment? And I think it's had a bit of a, a terrible effect, actually. as there been the, the COVID disease, the pandemic, the virus, but there's almost no, this, uh, this pandemic coming out of COVID of the psychological impact. And we need 
hope to live. Like my dad said this morning, may he fill you with hope that you might know his peace and joy. And, and like, this is so important. Hope and dreams for the future are so important, not just to us, but to everybody around the world. And I think that God is calling us through this series. I've certainly felt the call into something more, into opening our minds again, into beginning to hope again, beginning to dream again. And I think God, he wants to bring us, the word I had is that he wants to bring us into a spacious place. Now this is, this is something you find all the way through scripture. There's, there's all talk of, of God bringing his people into a spacious place, into a large place, into a broad place, into an open space. And I think this is what he wants to do with our minds. He wants to increase the space of our thinking, increase the space in our minds that we might start to think bigger thoughts again and be confident in that. There's a whole promised land ahead of us. Yes, I know that most of us, if not all of us, have, have come out of Egypt. There's that journey that, that everybody has to make when you come to God, when you give your life to God. You come out of Egypt. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a type that we see in the Old Testament. We come out of the bondage of slavery. But then, and we're saved at that moment. But then there's another step we need to take. We need to walk, step into the promised land. We need to step into the freedom that God is calling us to. And I think some of us get stuck in the wilderness between those two places. Yes, we're saved. Yes, our eternity is assured. But we miss out on the freedom of the promised land. And, and this is what I feel God is calling us to. He wants us to dream and build. He wants us to take our dreams, our bigger dreams, and start to pursue them and start to build towards them. He wants to partner with us to build those dreams. We don't forget that Jesus is the one building but we would be in error to think that we don't have a part to play in this because that's not how we see things in scripture play out. The local church is a, is a partnership between God and people and we can't, do it, we can't do it without God and God has chosen, decided not to do it without us. He works uh, with us. Uh, the Apostle Paul understood this when he's writing to the Corinthian church. Oh, no, and there was, you probably want to see that. There's a picture of, that's Martin there and the coffee, that's a coffee plant. Uh, this is Martin's dad and th this is a coffee, actually that's Moses and coffee farmers. These were some of the kids who just chased me around the village asking for sweets all day. Um, they were beautiful, really, really beautiful. Sorry? I did, I did bribe them. If you saw, you saw the video, yeah, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so this is what Paul said to the Corinthian church. He said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. And then he goes on to say, we are God's fellow workers. God will make it grow, but there's stuff for us to do too. We have to dream and we have to pursue those dreams. We have to see what God is calling us to and we have to go after it. So God has given us this opportunity. I'm 100% convinced that we are here and we are here now for a purpose. That God has planted us here in Ferndown for a purpose. I believe that, and I know that a lot of you believe that too. I think we have a mission, a purpose that is unique to us here in Ferndown. This church, this congregation, I think we have something to do. Now, I can't do it. 
I'm happy to be involved in doing it, but we have to do this. This is a job for the church of Jesus Christ, the church that he has gifted in order to make this a reality. And if we look at the early church, we see how um, in, you know, we've got the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and it's followed by the book of Acts. We know Acts. There's actions involved. The early church was birthed through Acts. We know that uh, God was involved. It was, it was planned by God. It was birthed through uh, the grace of Jesus. It was birthed through the power of the Holy Spirit. But it was also birthed through the Acts of the Apostles. The, the, the church there had to be involved. It, um, uh, on the day of Pentecost, let's have, have a look at this. Peter stood up. He's delivered a rousing sermon to all the people there. And 3,000 people have given their lives to, uh, to Jesus on this day as Peter talks and the Holy Spirit has come. And then we read this, uh, these few sentences in Acts 2. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the ba- breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is such an inspiring account. They were, they were doing uh, so much. All these kind of doing words, all these verbs that they were doing, they were devoting themselves, they were breaking bread, they were praying, they were performing signs and wonders, they were selling property, they were giving to anyone in need, they were meeting together in the temple courts, they were eating together, they were praising God, and they were enjoying favour. There's lots of doing words there. They, they were doing, 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 and then this last sentence, and the Lord added to their number. They were doing... They were building, and then the Lord built his church. The Lord added to their number. It's this partnership that's going on. We are co-workers with God. It doesn't say, they did all this, and the church grew massively because of it. And it doesn't say they sat on their hands while God did all the work. There is, there is a cooperation, a co-mission. So, They decided to dream big dreams and then pursue the dreams. And here's what I've decided. I've decided to dream bigger dreams too. Throughout throughout this series, as we've been talking, as I've been kind of reading the word, as I've been looking to plan messages each week, through it, I think God is calling me to dream bigger dreams. To stop restricting myself to my own capacity. And to think about his capacity as I dream. I'm asking God to plant big dreams in my heart and in my head. About myself and about Sunny Hill Church. And I want want to invite you to dream with me. I want to invite you to dream with me. What is God speaking to you about? What is God laying on your heart? What is that thing that for maybe for months or for years has been a seed inside you that he's calling out of you? It's time to dream, church. It's time to dream and to build and to step out. Not let our fear or the fear of failure restrict them. And I've decided I'm not going to let naysayers or pessimists or even realists determine what I pursue. I don't have to be real. 
because I serve a God who is supernatural. I don't have to dream only in the natural. I can dream supernatural things because he is supernatural. I don't belong here on earth. The Bible tells me my citizenship is in heaven. I'm just an ambassador here on earth. So why don't I dream dreams, heavenly dreams? Actually, as we were coming through Kampala on the way to the airport the other day, we passed the, um, the UN, United States Embassy. And it's a crazy building. Like, it looks just totally different to all the other buildings around it. Everything else quite run down. And then you've got the US Embassy, this pristine kind of high walls, amazing, across a number of, of blocks in the city. And in this kind of compound, it's actually United States in there. They don't abide by the laws of Uganda. They have their own laws. They don't have their own, the expectations of Uganda. They have United States expectations. They don't have the culture of Uganda. They have their own culture and their own laws in that compound. It's like a little, a little piece of the United States on their soil. And that's what we're called, how we're called to live. A little piece of heaven is, is I'm living in here on earth. Which means my dreams can be above this earth. And your dreams can be above this earth. We can dream bigger dreams. So I've decided I want to dream according to the size of the one who's going to build his church. And next week we're going to invite you, if you want to, to become what we call a dream builder. It's nothing fancy. It's just a, a saying, yes, this is my church. And maybe this is just a place you want to attend on a Sunday. And that's okay. You are welcome to come and attend. We will worship together with you. We'll even give you coffee and biscuits and cake. You can do that. But I think there's more to be had. If you decide to put your roots down, this is when we flourish. And I would welcome you when we're kind of inviting people to kind of join, join us as dream builders next week to do that. If you are someone who is not just looking for a church to attend, but you want to be the church, then together we get to create the culture that God is drawing us towards. So, a couple more things before we finish. I've been thinking about what Dream Builder means and what it means for Sunny Hill. I keep coming back to this word, culture. Culture. And it's probably... This word has been uh, kind of relevant to me over the last couple of weeks because I've been in a completely different culture and I've been thinking about, a lot about culture. But I think um, what it means for Sunny Hill. Well, uh, what, what does culture mean? Well, there's an ABC of culture um, and a culture just means an observable attitude. So it's attitudes that you can see. This is our thoughts, our thinking pattern. We think in a certain way. We also behave in a certain way. So it's observable attitudes, observable behaviors. We can see, ah, oh, yes, you are part of this because you act in a certain way. You, you don't think, just think in a way, you act in it too. And then there's things that we celebrate. The things that we celebrate together makes up our culture. The things that we like and enjoy and we cheer on and we say, yes, that's fantastic. That's, that's amazing. Keep going with that. And we encourage one another for certain things in a certain way. This is the ABC of culture. And I think it starts with the mind. Uh, Romans 12 from the message uh, puts it like this. is Paul writing to the Roman church. He puts it like this. He says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. 
Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. He goes on, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and develops well for maturity in you. We should have a different culture. We should have a culture that is different to people who don't follow Jesus and maybe even different to uh, another church down the road. This is not saying we are better or any, you know, any, it's just we are different. We're called to be a certain way. Now in Uganda, it's funny, as I got into the car when I first arrived and we started to drive towards um, the first place we were staying, I noticed, it made me laugh because there were all these motorcycles carrying three, four, five people, a whole family on a motorcycle. I thought, well, that's just weird, right? But Martin and Matt in the front of the car, they didn't notice it because they are embedded in that culture. They don't even see it anymore. I saw some crazy things on, on motorbikes. I don't know if you can see that. It's like 12-foot-long poles that way on his motorbike. And he's got a bed on his motorbike, and he's got an office chair on the motorbike. These were pictures I took, by the way. I saw some other things. I saw uh, a, a guy with, with five people, his whole family. I saw a guy actually with another motorbike on the back of his motorbike, just happily riding along. Uh, I saw a guy with about five huge sacks of maize wrapped on it. It was just crazy. I think, man, this is different. We don't see this in England. We don't see this. And, and, then, and Marty was like, well, this is just normal. Because you get used to the culture. And we have to be careful that we don't, like Paul just said, we don't just react and act within the culture that we live in. I'm going to move this on because <laughs> it's distracting. How do you change your culture? We've got to be transformed by renewing our mind. People will come in, just like I went to Uganda and saw it and, and thought, wow, this is different. People will come in here and say, wow, this is different. I don't recognize this. I haven't seen this before. This is a culture that I don't recognize. We've already had this. In Alpha, we've had one of the guys who's been coming to our Alpha course who said he came on that first Sunday, the celebration Sunday after, after we did the kids, uh, the kids club. And he said, I came in. And he said, you were all so happy. You were all different. It wasn't something I'm used to seeing. And this is how it should be. People should come in and see something different. Not recognize it as the same as outside of here. Now here at Sunny Hill, we've made our culture uh, colors to the, to the mast in this way. We've th said three things. This is what it means to be a dream builder. Praying and serving and sowing. And I put this into kind of cultural, uh, cultural perspective. Praying is a culture of God first. That's what it means when we say we're, we're, we want to be prayers. We put God first. So prayer becomes not a last resort, but a first response. We pray not when we get to the end of ourselves, not when we're just about to crash and burn, but we pray daily. We pray all the time. We pray without ceasing. It's part of our discipleship process. We pray because we want to be closer to God. We want to be more like Jesus. So we get into the closet daily and we live our life in communion, in communication with God. 
So we are prayers because we put God first. Now, Fru spoke last week a little bit about praying, um, and I haven't actually managed to listen to the message yet. I couldn't get it in Uganda, but um, what she told me was she was talking about experiencing God through prayer. We experience God through prayer uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah? Just like I've just been saying, we're ambassadors on earth as it is in heaven. She says God reveals his dreams to us when we pray. God will tell us what dreams to have. He will put dreams in our minds and on our hearts when we pray. Your will be done. And we build through prayer as well. We have to pray. We have to just go and do it. Your kingdom come. Paul writes to the Philippians says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're encouraged to pray. We're encouraged to pray without ceasing. We're encouraged to pray continually. Jesus said, pray without giving up. Always pray. Daily. It's a daily thing we get to pray. To Timothy, Paul wrote, I urge you, First of all, that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. So we pray for one another. We pray for our community. We pray for our country. We pray for the world. We pray for wisdom. We pray for help. We pray to know God better. We pray for courage. We pray uh, to connect. We pray with thanksgiving. We pray for new and bigger dreams and the courage to build those dreams. We pray because our culture is God first. Secondly, we serve, which is a culture of honor. We serve one another because we want to create, this is my dream, that we have a culture of honor here at Sunny Hill, where we honor one another. Being a servant is our highest calling. Actually, somebody asked me earlier at the beginning of the service why I'm the one who's involved in helping out at Resound on a Saturday. He said, oh, it's not, it's not a sunny hill thing. Why do you go and do it? I said, well, I serve. That's what I do. And I get blessed by doing that because we're trying to create a culture of honor. We emulate Jesus. Jesus said he came to, be, to serve, not to be served. And it's not a servant, because uh, uh, some kind of false humility. We serve out of confidence. We serve from a position of confidence. We have confidence in who we are and whose we are. We have confidence in our inheritance in Jesus Christ, and so we serve. We have confidence that he is calling us to to better things, that he has made us, that he is with us, and so we can serve. We serve and honor others from a posture of confidence. So what does this look like? Well, I'm just going to unpack this for a few minutes. I don't think there's a better example of of honoring and serving than John 13. Uh, You know the context. uh, They've just had the Last Supper together. and, And Jesus picks up a towel and washes their feet. And what are the disciples doing just in this moment before he does that? They're arguing with each other about which of them is the greatest. It's crazy. Which of them is the goat? Do you all know what I mean by goat? It's what, it's, what the, it's what the hip kids say these days. Goat, it means the greatest of all time. G-O-A-T. You want to be, be the goat, right? You want to be the greatest of all time. And so the disciples are there arguing about which of them is the goat. Which of them is the greatest. And John's there, he's saying, well, I'm the one that Jesus loves. 
It must be me. I don't know if you've ever read the Gospel of John. He refers to himself in the second person. He always calls himself the one that Jesus loved. So funny. I'm the one that he loved. And Peter's going, no. I'm the one who walks on water. And John's like, yeah, but you fell in. You sank. (laughs) And then Bartholomew says, no, it's me. And they all go, who are you? Like, what have you ever written? You never said a thing. (laughs) And they're all arguing there about which of them is the greatest. And what does Jesus do? He puts a towel over his arm. He kneels before them. He kneels before John and before Peter and before Bartholomew and before Judas who was just about to go out and betray him, and he kneels down. He sees their dirty feet, and he sees their proud hearts, and he thinks, I know, I'm going to deal with both right now. And he gets down on his hands and knees, and he washes their feet, because being a servant is our highest calling. He honors them. And if you want to follow Jesus, pursuing this idea of being the goat, actually, that gives you a problem, because the two things are diametrically opposed. They can't exist together. Jesus says we have to deny ourselves. We have to take up our cross daily. He says the greatest among you will be your servant if we're following Jesus. Paul again, writing to the Philippians, says have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, does not consider equality with God or or, or, uh, taking advantage of that. He said rather he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Serving and honoring is not just something we do. It's the way of we express whose we are. It's a badge that says, I belong to God and he is mine. And so I serve and honor people. I just think it's interesting in Matthew 25. Actually, I just want to read this to you. Matthew 25. I don't have it on the screen. From verse 31, it says this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger, invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you and the king will reply truly I tell you whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did it for me we serve each other and we honor each other because in so doing we're doing it for Jesus we're doing it for him and so my dream is that we have here we build a culture of honor we honor one another by serving, going the extra mile, feeding, giving a drink, giving clothes, helping strangers, visiting those in prison, visiting those who are struggling and suffering. This is our calling, church. Lastly, 
We are a church. Dream builders are people who sow. A culture of generosity. I'm not going to unpack. We're going to talk about this more next week. But a dream builder doesn't do generous acts. A dream builder lives a generous life in every way. We have an understanding that everything we have is from God for our blessing and his glory. We are stewards of what he gives us. So we, if we mentioned earlier, we tithe from our income and we're also ready at a moment's notice to bring our offerings when we see a need, to bring an offering to, to help those who are in need. We actively seek out ways to be generous and we live in the reality of God's blessings. And my dream is to see this culture played out more and more as we grow together. A culture of God first, a culture of honoring, and a culture of generosity. So I've decided to dream bigger dreams. And I invite you to dream bigger dreams with me and pursue them with me together. And who knows, maybe God will come and do something amazing. Amen? Let me just pray and then we'll finish. Lord God, we thank you uh, for your words. We thank you uh, that you uh, inspire us and you change us. I pray that these words that we've heard today won't just um, uh, return to you void, God, but we know that they will accomplish all that you want them to accomplish. And they will change our thinking. They will change our hearts. They will change the way that we talk, the way that we walk, God. Lord, I pray that you would give us uh, bigger dreams, or each of us bigger dreams, and also give us the courage to step out into those dreams and see, and see them fulfilled. Uh, all to your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.